the Pro Tools Expert podcast with Mike Thornton, James Ivey, and Julian Rogers. Welcome to the Pro Tools Expert podcast number 353. It's January the 21st, 2019. I'm Mike Thornton. I'm James Ivey. And I'm Julian Rogers. Deals. Uh, on the run-up to NAM, we've also got some great deals from our partners on our deals page. So check those out. Okay, let's move swiftly on to our talking points, and these are sponsored by our friends at Universal Audio. Good morning, children. This is Fab DuPont. The Pro Tools Expert Podcast talking points are brought to you with the support of Universal Audio. Looking to get a big analog console sound for your in-the-box mix? From now through to the end of March 2019, seems weird saying that still, purchase a UAD2 DSP accelerator and get the world's most authentic Neve, API, SSL and UA console emulation plugins with a value of up to $1,196 absolutely free. For more info on this, check the link in the podcast notes. Okay, first talking point. Um uh, around this virtual table, I'm the only one that's not going to Nam. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you've still I've still got the rough end of the straw because uh, come Thursday I will be glued to this chair, writing stories as fast as the news, trying to get do them faster than the news coming in. But hey, and the daft thing is, you will probably get the news before we do. Yes, just because of time delays and stuff and like that. that. Yeah, indeed. So I thought it'd be good to. Um, do some NAM predictions, but also just to take a look at some of the things that we do know about and some of the things that we have a sort of inkling about, shall we say. Uh, James, what's your first one? It's probably also worth saying there's a few things we know about and we can tell you about, and there's a few things we know about that we can't tell you about, but we'll tell you a minute after the official embargo date and time pass, because obviously brands do let us in on stuff a little bit early so we can get the news ready to go out to you guys um that's a little off topic but hey there's a few things that we've already had a sniff of um some news that's come out recently i'm very keen to see the new vanguard v7 microphone so Um, what's 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 so special about that it's basically a fet condenser mic with interchangeable heads capsules which sounds quite a cost-effective way to get some of the more famous-sounding capsules into your mic locker. So is this LDC or or small diaphragm? Uh, All large diaphragm, yes. What, is either? I I think so far he's only made... There are three different large diaphragm capsules available. Um, And is this like lolly style on a sort of pencil body? No, it, this is lolly style on quite a big chunky. Oh, so set. like a sort of Neumann bottle sort of. Yes. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Um, very, very excited by that. Also, price wise, it's not you know out of the reach of um, us mere mortals. It's a sensibly priced mic. Uh, great. Uh, well, I'm sure you'll be uh, making your way to the Vanguard stand at Nam to uh, get your hands on one of these to look at. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Julian, what's your first item? <laughs> Well, Plugin Alliance uh, announced um, a, t- a tie in Brainworks and uh, a couple of others, uh, and Filtered Audio, and oh, someone else who escapes me right now. Doesn't matter. It's you just look on the internet; it's out there. Um, but they're they're putting a foot into into virtual instruments, which I mean, considering how many audio plugins they've done, um, it's kind of like it's it's pretty. Uh, understandable direction to go in, put it that way. But the thing that I was really excited to see was, um, I mean, there's 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 an unfiltered audio um, one that looks very much like Biome, actually, but all the unfiltered stuff, all the, the newer unfiltered stuff, had this kind of modular interface already. And uh, because of that, it was kind of like a it's kind of like modular synthesizer for audio anyway. Um, and just adding adding some envelope generators and some oscillators to it, and you know you're there already. So that's that's going to be a re- but it's a good interface actually. It works very nicely because it's it's surprising how difficult it is to take something. I mean, modular is so popular in the in the last kind of probably I don't know ten years. But that that whole kind of Eurorack scene has led to an explosion, and kind of um, hardware synthesis is doing amazingly well. Um, but getting that experience over into software 
isn't as easy as you'd think. And I mean, I've had to go on a few different ways of doing it. And there isn't one that I really, really like. There's a few that I like a lot for different reasons. But it comes down to the interface. And I think that could be a, that could definitely be one that's very, very usable. And the, presumably this is Plugin Alliance's first uh, dip into the synth plugin world. Yeah, absolutely. They don't do any synthesizers, but they do quite a few things that kind of like really the, the kind of the work's been done so just mm. make a synth out of it uh, but the one that i really want to have a go on is brainworks have done a um uh what has to be uh a, an oberheim sem it has to be because just like from the tease image i don't think it could be anything else you can see kind of like the creamy white background the controls are right the switches are right the dual concentric sort of tall black pots and if people don't know what the oberheim sem was I mean that you can buy them again actually in hardware they have uh, uh, I think it's Tom Oberheim's sort of reissued them but there is like a a reissue version rather than a, a replica um, that's available but what they were were that uh, uh, back in the old days um, people wanted uh, a, a a sound source a module if you like before such things really existed that you could that you could use to drive uh, to be driven off a synthesizer so no keyboard. Um, uh, and uh, basically because if you had a sequencer and we're talking like a proper CV analog sequencer step sequencer um, you didn't want to tie up your keyboard instrument that you were using for live playing playing a sequence so having something else that you could do that with that was the idea of it but pretty quickly the four voice and the eight voice got built so basically someone said well I tell you what if you've got this why not get four of them put them next to each other attach a keyboard and you've got a massive great polysynth and then very few people who must have had very deep pockets uh, built uh, an eight voice, which is the same thing, but with two banks of them, which is absolutely beast of a thing. Um, so anyway, having that, I've, I've never been anywhere near a real one, but I'm aware of it because I am a bit of a synth nerd. And uh, yeah, I, I'm i looking forward to, to hearing that because it's got the Brainworks TMT technology, which... Um, uh, what does that stand for? Tolerance modeling Tolerance technology. Modeling technology. But it's the thing that they do in the in the in console channel strips, isn't it? On the t- channel strips, where you know, say with the with a you know the big Neve or an SSL or something, they'll they'll sample not sample that's the wrong word entirely model every channel and pick up all of those little differences, and you can choose which channel you want, uh, or just hit a random button and, and assign a different channel to every track. Which personally is what I do because you know it's kind of. You know, uh, and uh, yeah, those tiny little differences you pick up. Well, I mean, you can apply that stuff to synthesizer signal path just as easily as a as a, as a console, and I'm sure it so works brilliantly. But I haven't heard it yet. That third one you were couldn't remember is apparently DS Audio, and looking at the uh, oh, tease it. picture, it got some. It looks like something like Thorn. Thorn. Uh, that's exactly what it is. Uh, they. I don't. I don't know it, but I've looked it up, and it's uh, it's a it's been a, it's a, it's already out there. Uh, it's a very modern take on on synthesis and uh yeah i mean that's one that i need to look at because it's not something that's kind of been on my radar necessarily but uh yeah i mean i don't think i don't think there's been a, like an official announcement as to what they are but the, the but the no. tease image basically tells you yeah. everything that you need to so i mean i yeah. don't think i don't think we're giving anything away there just no there's nothing told that in the public the domain already <laughs> that yeah, we've, yeah. we've been talking about absolutely yeah, yeah totally so no i i look forward to hearing those and we're going to go and see those um uh, at an event they've got in nam and uh, have a good good look and listen uh, my first one is um a new version of Sigmod from New Gen Audio. I mean, it's a very clever little plugin. I mean, you you took a look at it and did some I great love tutorials. Sigmod. I love some bit. This it was really divisive. Actually, I found well, not necessarily, but of of the feedback we got on social, particularly of people being quite mean. Some people going, "Oh, I can do that." using it and it's like yeah you can but you don't have to because it's all here and i mean it's not like we're talking about kind of like the most expensive plugin in the world but i thought as a little utility box it was brilliant yes and uh yeah i mean with the stuff with that with like sort of the the ms stuff and invert and being able to kind of you know all those kinds of things what's what's new i haven't checked it well, out what's new is you can now in basically host vst3 plugins in it Ooh. so if you remember when you were doing some of your tutorials you were basically having to ship it ship oh yeah well, like when you did the ms processing yeah. you had to ship it out into separate plugins using the daw's uh, routing and mixer 
well now you can do it all within um within sigmon so it's it will even more simplify i mean essentially it's the 12th module it makes makes the gui a little bit better because the 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 11th module was sort of presented in the list of uh, in, in the two rows sort of split across the two now it's nice six each side so it's it's essentially only one more module to the 11 that was in the original one but um basically you can host any vst3 plugin uh, it doesn't support the older VST plugins, and it doesn't support, obviously, VST virtual instrument plugins. But it doesn't support AU either. But that's interesting. No. It doesn't support VST2, though. That's okay. Yeah. I, um, I, I don't use many VST plugins, so because of that, I'm, I'm trying to... I, I don't know whether that's an issue or not. I mean, is everything out there is VST3? Oh, yes, knows? pretty well everything. I mean, yes. I mean, one of the challenges I had is when I went looking in my VST3 plugin folder there weren't a huge amount of plugins in it because what i tend to do is when i'm installing stuff i just uncheck everything else yes, I'm a Pro Tools exactly, user. exactly. so yeah. i don't want that don't want that don't want that don't want that um so uh yes but essentially uh, it's, I, I think they've probably chosen it as a contemporary you know more a, a modern plugin format that pretty well everybody does something in i mean sure. obviously you, what you won't be able to get are the avid uh if you're in pro tools world you won't be able to get any of the avid plugins in because they obviously they only make them in ax um but basically everything else is there so i was able to replicate when you did the uh eq on the uh side channel um using the new gen audio seqs oh, i was yeah, able yeah. to replicate that all within uh which means you can recall it more easily yeah 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 um, I, that's that's a, that's a great idea. I didn't know that. That's kind of, I've seen it come up, but I hadn't read it because I've been doing other busy. things. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but oh no, no, that that sounds that sounds like a really neat thing. And I I just like the idea of it. That kind of real kind of utility stuff and yeah. being able to being able to get right in there and and do all that stuff. I, I got so much mileage out of those when I I did. I forget how many I did. I did, you did three tutorials. Two, three. Okay, and. Uh, that thing about that thing about what to do, hmm. and I could have done way more than three because you can do so much with those kind of little utility signal pathy. I'll just invert this and then I'll you know sum it to mono and then I'll pull yeah. it back out and do you know loads of stuff that you can do. So yeah, being able to put VSTs in there is going to be amazing. Yes. So that was uh, my first one, James. What's your number two? I'm very much looking forward to seeing and hearing and noodling through the new Audient Sono guitar interface, um, or the guitar-centric audio interface. Uh, it looks very, very interesting. Very, It will be solid. It will be well-made. It will sound great. It's an Audient box. Um, so do you think this is a, a, a challenge at the 11 rack market? No, it's not. There's no processing as such in the box. It comes... There's no DSP on board. There's no actually processing in it. It does have a 12AX7 valve in it to impart some of that valve loveliness that us guitar players drool over often. Yeah, so you get the processing in in good old-fashioned analogue. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so what processing up, does it do, James? They've teamed that. up with Two Notes, uh, those clever oh, yeah. French chaps who do cabinet modelling and amp, amp simulation modelling and things like that. So you can... They've kind of slimmed down their their software to be audience sono friendly, so you get a version of the amp simulation and cabinet simulation and mic simulation software with it. So the whole theory being is most guitarists have got a few stomp boxes, some tone generating type boxes. Create your normal kind of foot switch stomp box chain, whack that into the guitar input of sono. Uh, apply some valve loveliness and then output it through the two notes plugin chain. So you get a very realistic, awesome sounding guitar track that is, you know, controlled and not going to blow your head off trying to play through a 100 watt Marshall stack or anything like that. Um, and it's portable because you can save everything back to the Sono. Which is very cool. So in that case, do the, do the settings persist and can you run it standalone? Absolutely, you can. Now yes. that is good. Yeah, mm. so you can have, I think there's, you can do like an A, B switch between two models that are stored locally. But for a gig is, through a PA system. 
Exactly. That, that'd be perfect. Stick it in a guitar bag and that's it. You're good for the tube. <laughs> yes, yeah. A few pedals, that, and you've got, you know, your, your studio guitar tone. Nice. Very, very cool little box. So we were hoping to have one this week to do a kind of um, a look-see and a review and a show-and-tell on. Sadly, hasn't happened because obviously um, two of us are getting on a plane on Wednesday. <laughs> and I suspect any that they've got lying around are also... <laughs> uh, probably also on a plane, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Julian, what's your second one? Um, well, I'm, I'm going to go for the Yamaha CP73 or 88 stage pianos. Yamaha announced these uh, new stage pianos, and I, I haven't seen them. I've just seen a picture, and uh, I did watch a video, actually, but keyboard demo videos, uh, they never really tell me that much because it's usually somebody just playing some really, really slick piano, and it's kind of like, okay, fine, but actually... Yeah, you're a good piano player, but actually, does yeah, this tell me what, anything about... What it is, is the, it doesn't tell you the thing that's the most important about any any keyboard, but particularly pianos, which is what, what it feels like. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, sure, it sounds nice, but if it doesn't feel nice, then it's unplayable. I mean, I had yeah. this recently. I, I'm, uh, I bought myself a new controller keyboard because I needed a bigger keyboard because the key switching for the instruments I was using. And I bought one, and I thought, it'll be all right. I won't mention the brand because it's not fair because this is going to be totally slating it, but based on personal preference. So for yeah. that reason, I'm going to say I'm not going to go there because other people might get on with it fine. But I'm going to have to ditch it because I can't play it because it just feels awful. Um, so anyway, this is why I'm looking forward to seeing these because I like pianos. I've got a, I mean, I like Yamaha pianos. I have a Yamaha piano downstairs. Mm. Um, the 73 and the 88 have got different keyboards. The 88, I'm sure, will be amazing. Uh, the 73, I think I think it's a, maybe a slightly lighter weight one. It's certainly not the kind of all-singing, all-dancing, super-duper one. But I really like the way they've laid out the uh, the control panel just because it's really stripped down for live use. And they've just got, I think it's four sections. They've got a piano section, and it's just like five sounds, and then a, a big coloured rocker switch. You can go up and down through the different choices on those five categories. So you've got like uh, grand, upright, um, uh, CP, so like electric grand, because mm. it's a Yamaha, obviously, and yeah. something else I can't think what, actually. I haven't got a picture of it in front of me. Um, same with the next section's electric piano, and you've got like Whirly and Rhodes and Clav and probably something else. Again, I don't have a picture in front of me. Um, and uh, there's, a, I think there might only be three sections. Someone with a, looking at a picture will probably go, no, there's not, there's four. Uh, there's another sub one with kind of like s strings. Oh, combo, I think that was the other one. So you can do your kind of like, you know. Piano strings. Cheesy, yeah, 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 yeah. layered uh, layered sounds. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's got some organ sounds. I don't know how that's going to be. But what I saw was it reminded me of, of two things. This 73 puts me in mind of the, the Nord uh, Electro which is a brilliant instrument, but that's got like, a, that's definitely organ centered and it's got waterfall keys rather than springboard keys. So it's very organy and it, it's playable. It feels nice. And the organ sounds are amazing and you can get one with draw bars and everything. So it's very organy. This one's definitely more of a piano, but it seems to be going, it seems, it, it looks it's kind of to me a little bit like sort of Yamaha's Nord killer if they need to kill Nord. They're probably doing better than Nord, frankly, because they're Yamaha and they're enormous. But um, the other thing it reminded me of was a piano that was out a few years ago that I loved. A friend of mine had one. It was brilliant, but it was a bit unstable and it, it used to crash, which is quite quite an achievement for hardware. And, and it used to do that at gigs, which is bad. It was mm -hmm. also the size of a car. It was enormous. It was gem. And they yeah, did the general music stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was a Pro Mega Three, which was their like super duper thing, and sort of like Herbie Hancock loved it, and I think maybe maybe Stevie had one or something. And it had this brilliant section based encoder based interface, and it sounded brilliant, but it was a bit unstable, and like I say, weighed as much as a small car. But unfortunately, the guy had to let it <laughs> go because it was just too. Friendly. It was too. Yeah, yeah. And it was. I think it was a case of great instrument implementation wasn't quite there. I'm, I'm, I don't think I don't even know if they're in that space anymore. But mm. certainly, I don't think you can get a Pro Mega Three anymore. But it's a hell of a thing. But I loved the way they did it of just having different sections. You go, I want that, I want that, do, 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 and you could dial a sound in instantly. So I want to check it out. I want to go. Particularly, I'm interested in the 73, and just to find out the 88 will be lovely, and it will have an amazing piano keyboard that will feel great because I love Yamaha proper piano keybeds. Mm. They just they work for me. But I'm interested to find out what the 73 is like. 
So, yes. As long as the 73 weighs less than a CP70. <laughs> it's it's interesting just because, I'm because I mean, going back to the, the Nord thing, the Nord Electro, they nailed it with that just because, I mean, you can carry that thing in a rucksack style bag on yes. a bicycle. I mean, and it's a proper gigable instrument. And I think it'll be heavier than that because I think it's more of a weighted keyboard than that organ keyboard. But I just I'd be I'd be very interested to see what it's like because nobody likes nobody likes gigging eighty eight notes um, pianos. It's, I mean, the- I used to play in a band with a keyboard player who had a, a, a real Fender Rhodes, a real CP seventy, and a Hammond with Oof. a Leslie. With a Leslie. Oh, we, well, we fortunately we had a crew, but yeah. still, yeah, you know. <laughs> It, it was always, you know, the last last thing on the van, first thing off, and nobody yeah. wanted to lift the thing. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's got to be up there with installing a Midas XL4 at the top of some rake seating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. We've all been there. <laughs> okay. So um, uh, we should move on because I, I, I said lots of stuff then, but I, I've forgotten where we are. Is it, is it you okay. next, Mike? It is. Um Next one that's come across my uh, desk is that uh, Prism Sound are uh, going to uh, be showing for the first time at NAMM a Dante expansion card for their Titan and Atlas uh, interfaces. Did someone say Dante? <laughs> someone said Dante, yeah. Cue the automatic Julian. Uh, sorry, um, that, that sounds cool. That really does. Uh, I'm actually yeah. quite surprised they didn't already have Dante on their stuff. I don't think I really noticed. No, and I think this is possibly the because uh, I don't, I'm not completely across their range, but I suspect this is their entry into the world of Dante by putting expansion card on these uh, two interfaces, the Atlas and the Titan. Uh, and the other um, interesting uh, bit of news that will find its way onto the NAM floor is that they are a, a Prism Sounder are launching a brand new control application for the uh, Lyra, uh, Titan, and Atlas interfaces. So obviously, you know, it's the usual thing of a standalone app that a lot of third-party uh, interfaces uh, have. And they've clearly done an up, an update. Uh, apparently, it's more user-friendly for the latest 4K screens, um, and it's resizable. So uh, those are some things to look out for uh, at NAM. Uh, James, uh, last one. Um, oh, all decisions, decisions. Um, I'm going to go with this one because it's the most innovative. Um, we say we're on every mailing list. We're certainly on the NAM mailing list. And this came across my virtual desk this afternoon. A company um, making a thing called Air Hush. And it's a, basically a kind of portable acoustic wall acoustic treatment uh, using an ISAT which is the um, acronym for um, inflatable sound attenuation technology Um, and it's the inflatable bit that really got me curious I thought this is quite cool you know using using an inflatable system because it means it truly is portable because presumably it means it deflates and shrinks so are you going to be able to get a bundle with Sonox inflator (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm here all week. You, you're pleased with that, aren't you? Um, I, I just I saw that and thought that looks very very interesting. Um, definitely worth a look at the show. Um, I've got my uh, as you do, Julian. I, I've got my list of official meetings, but I've also got my list of the um, booths I want to go and see because I'm just curious about the product. A, this is definitely going on that list. Mm. I'd love to know how that works, and hopefully, I'd, I'd also love to Clever find out that science, it works. Yeah. I suspect. Because, well, I mean, there's, there's been some developments on stuff like that recently of people doing clever stuff. We we ran some stuff a while ago on the site of that sort of funny, sort of flat labyrinthy type thing, and but I'd, I yeah, I, I looking at it, I I can't see how it can work, but hopefully it does. So you know, have to check it out. Yeah, uh, Julian, your last one. Okay, I mean, I I I I do really want to check out the Dynaudio and Herd Studio because they're doing that again. Um, they did it at a Danish festival, and if you don't know about this, this is 
uh, Dyn Audio and I think DAD are involved and DPA, but all the sort of like the Danish audio companies. I, I think those guys are going to be involved yeah. again. The Danish uh, audio industry, lock, stock and barrel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, apart from Bang & Olufsen. Um, Ooh. But... Um, they're uh, um, they're doing this thing, and it's it's a, it's like a portable studio that's in a couple of uh, shipping containers. But it's also kind of a stage because it's got a glazed wall. And the idea is, and um, I'm going to find out some more about this, but the, it's it's definitely with an agenda. They're trying to get out and bring recording facilities to all of the people that we haven't heard, rather than <laughs> to the people that we have. And I like that idea, but. I can't go with that because I've got to mention this DSP box, which uh, is uh, announced today, was it? Mm. It's on their website anyway, so it's certainly out there. And it's the APB-16. That's an American police thing that like the Dukes of Hazard always have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what it means? Okay. Yeah, it does. Analog yes. processing okay. box, apparently, is what they want it to mean. Okay. Well, and yeah, it's a box and it's analog and it's not a plug-in. It's and hardware, it's 16 yeah. channels of analog processing, which you can configure. So It's that, programmable. Yeah, Which absolutely. is interesting. Which I, I'm certainly, I want to know more about it, but I mean, all I know about it is just what's what's on the site at the moment, um, and that's all I've all I've seen so far. And you know, hardware is coming, but uh, they're talking about the second quarter in 2019 being when it's going to be available. I, I'm slightly confused about this because it's mm. programmable analog processing, okay, with premium analog components, but it's got 32-bit data. Because uh, oh, oh, because it's it's analog processing, but it's it's hooked up digitally via yes, Thunderbolt. DA, DA, yeah. Got you. Okay, I've seen that now. But recallable individual, and uh, yeah, I just I, I really don't know how that's going to what that's how that's going to relate to anything they've already done, or whether it's just something completely different. They've got some teaser images, but yeah, absolutely, that's going to be very interesting indeed. So can't wait to find out about that. Good. Okay. Well, I think we shall uh, move along. Um, so uh, competitions uh, this month. Well, we don't actually have a competition this month. Um, <laughs> but uh, in case you're wondering if you might have won something in our mega Christmas 10th anniversary $30,000 uh, prize draw competitions, then do check out the winner's announcement article. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. But some very happy people, I think it would be fair to say. Um, okay, second talking point. Um, I don't know whether you've noticed or even been bombarded on your Facebook wall with pictures and, and this sort of thread of 10-year challenge where people perhaps have put up pictures of themselves 10 years ago and one now and what were people doing 10 years ago and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I thought it'd be really interesting to, for us to go around the virtual table and actually uh, compare uh, what sort of studio we have, how has that changed, what sort of workflows have changed in the 10 years uh, from you know 2009 to, to now. So, um, James, uh, I suspect, <laughs> I, I think it's going to be interesting because I, I suspect uh, uh, you and I are going to be approaching this from opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of the, that I have less and less hardware and I you have more and more hardware. 10-year ten, ten challenge. I think my, the 10-minute challenge is <laughs> appropriate from my studio. Um the funny thing is that our my wife and I moved into our current house nigh on 10 years ago. And obviously 10 years ago, I didn't have the studio that I'm currently sat in. I had, however, not long forked out for my Mac Pro cheese grater. And I had just put in it an HDX card, and I was using two 192 IOs with a handful of different mic pre's and all sorts of goodies, a real sort of a mishmash of stuff. In fact, I think I had a couple of the Audion interfaces that I still have, and I had two Avid pre's. Remember those? Oh, yes. Oh, I wish I hadn't bothered. But anyway, moving on. Um <laughs> The, the cool thing was, with the Avid Pre, is they were recallable. Yeah, you, you could control them from, from, 
from your Pro Tools session. From Pro Tools session, yeah. Yeah, very, very cool feature. Not so great as mic pre's go, as it turns out. They're, they sounded okay, but you're not going to win any um, clarity or, you know, they weren't going to win any, any awards. This is where someone points out they actually did win an award, <laughs> but hey. Um, and But of course, other than that, other than still recording lots of channels, which I still do now, I was entirely in the box. That has changed somewhat. Mm. Um, and it seems to be changing on a almost weekly basis, sometimes daily basis. Something will turn up um, for review and I'll go, oh, I like that. I really like, yeah, you're not having that back. I'll, <laughs> I'll pay for that. Shoehorn it into the rack somewhere. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually at a stage where I bought um, two 6U racks about this time last year for... Um, Review stock, because I thought I was getting quite annoyed with review stuff being piled up and looking really untidy. And it's now full. Those two racks are now <laughs> entirely full. Um, I don't have space for any more. We're going to have to wait for Studio 3.0 for that, but that's another... Um, yeah, 3.0 for that, but that's a little way off yet. But um, yeah, my, my workflow changed massively when I bought the console. That was the big thing. Um, and then realising, okay, I've got a console, I've got lots of mics and lots of things to plug into it, but I've got all these lovely insert points that I really should be using and abusing. And then then the floodgates really did open for outboard gear. And it doesn't have to be expensive stuff. One, I was going to save this for my find of the week, but um, Julie and I were talking about inexpensive outboard and like buying old stuff and finding things on eBay and things. And you can buy some absolute bargains on the, um, I'm never sure. Is it Craigslist or is it Craigslist? I always thought it States? was Craigslist. But yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, or eBay or, um, Larkin's list is the pro audio one in the UK. Um, there's reverb, things like that. Um, but I just bought the new Clark Technic, KT2A. The let's face it, Clark Technic are now owned by Music Group. Yeah. Um and it's a LA2A type clone and it's brilliant. And it's brilliant for a smidge over 200 quid. Wow. That's what's brilliant about it. Um so yeah, you it doesn't have to be super duper expensive hardware to start getting into hardware. Which is dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I actually found, I think my, my Rosanna cover was one of the first things I did in this studio. And I think that's nine years ago rather than ten. But certainly, you know, the room might be the same, but that's about it. Hmm. The gear has changed significantly. Obviously, three years ago, I swapped, or two and a bit years ago, I swapped over to become a Windows user. So... Um, and, and and people are still talking to me, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, and you're still working quite well. You know, there's no challenge of uh, of going to um, to Windows. We're going to say the dark side, but that starts getting me into all sorts of trouble. Um, there, there is there there is no dark side. Don't get me wrong. I still swear about some of the foibles of the Windows operating system. One of the nice things about Mac is when you open when you open a folder from a place, or you open a file from a folder, you always go back to that location. That's yeah. not always the case with Windows, and I'm still trying to f- work out the logic behind <laughs> where you do end up going. Uh, it's almost like it looks at the the folder you were using a week ago last Tuesday and goes, ah, oh, you want to go there. <laughs> but but no, other than that, um, the Jivey Studios or Location Recordings, whatever it's called these days, uh, is a beautiful place full of music making. Because uh, one of my um, New Year's revolutions was to actually make more music. And so far, that's going very well. So um, long mm. may it continue. But you'll be finding out about that in future articles. <laughs> I, I do want to kind of just interject on what James has said. And James's studio isn't full of, of what it's very full of. <laughs> <laughs> we, have start, I, I, we have started planning the, the new house, as in where, we, where do we want to live? What do we need? I have started planning the new studio. <laughs> Julian, how does the how's the ten years? Oh dear! Uh, you see, I've been thinking about this, and ten years is a long time ago. It and, is, and um, 
I didn't have hair then either, but um, I didn't have a beard then either. <laughs> no, I didn't actually. But um, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, let's not get into the beard conversation. <laughs> I mean, first first things first. I mean, kind of like uh, uh, back then, that's Pro Tools eight. Yeah, you know, I mean, which was a brilliant timing. I mean, I was so excited. Um, I mean, that was uh, that was all those fantastic Pro Tools accelerated videos. It was that time, you know. With um, Crazy Phil. Yeah, yes. Phil. I exactly. loved those They guys. were amazing, Billy. I, I learned pretty much most of the good stuff I know about Pro Tools from Phil Jackson. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, he was awesome. He, and, uh, you know. I mean, nice. And, and, and he's not doing bad for himself <laughs> yeah. these days, although he's out of the audio space. So, you know. So. Anyway, um, so, I mean, because of that, that was a really optimistic time around Digi and stuff. It was it's still Digi in those days. It wasn't it wasn't mm-hmm. Avid yet. And, um, yeah, there was a lot of exciting stuff going on, one of which was Pro Tools 8, which for music was such an amazing release. I mean, I know sort of people go all sort of misty-eyed about 7.4 and stuff, but honestly, 8 was just better, you know? I mean, it was, mm. especially if you used MIDI at all. And, of course, all the instruments, which came in with 8. So, you know, we got some... Uh, well, we've just got loads of new toys to play with. But in terms of my gear at home, because I mean, I, I was doing very little at home. I was going out, I was recording more in those days than I do now. And I was taking little sort of mo- mobile rigs and, you know, taking them to and, and setting up little temporary studios for tracking stuff with people that I was working with. And that was, that was great. Um, but my main rig really was, uh, I mean, it was a 003 and an iMac called 2Duo. Which which I still have actually, although it's downstairs and I don't use it anymore, but it's still alive. Um, monitoring was ten twenty nine A's with a ten ninety one sub, which I still have. They were quite old then. I'd had them quite a long time then, and I've still got them. Um, but the really interesting difference is that I was still using hardware in those days, and um, the reasons why I was using hardware. Well, I mean, the the things actually it was it was EQ and reverb. And that's what it was. And it was, uh, I had a TCM 300 that I used to use as my kind of uh, oh, I have one of those. showcase reverb, if you like, which I gave to my nephew, actually, who's a dance music producer just recently. And yeah, yeah, he, he, he absolutely loves it. And that was a great thing, although it had some other good fun stuff like sort of dynamic delays and stuff. And it was, and it was an amazing compressor, actually. Like, absolute brute. I've got a, I've got a TC um, RH450 bass amp. And uh, I think you got one of those as well, haven't you, James? Used to have. Okay, and that the compressor in that—it's the really, same. Really, really cool. Yeah, yeah, really good. So, um, uh, yeah, uh, but I had that, and I used to rig that up uh, to SP diff, so I wasn't wasting my valuable analog I/O, and that worked really nicely. It's a good, it's a good system. But the thing that I used to really struggle with to get some, uh, plugins, I was absolutely happy with, but EQ. It was like, okay, for sort of like, you know, um, uh, fixing stuff EQ, I've never had any issue with EQ3, spot on. But for like a vibey EQ, something you'd put across a master or something like that, it just, you know, it, it's not it's not really that kind at all. And I used to really struggle to find something. And as a response to that, um, I bought, which is an interesting choice, but I don't think I could have afforded like a big name studio EQ at the time, and I knew these from my live work. I bought a Clark Technic DN410 dual parametric um, proper. This is when Clark Technic were Clark Technic as well. And um, yeah, I've still got it. I haven't plugged it in for years, but I do still have it. Tiny little knobs, minute little knobs, and very, very flexible um, kind of corrective EQ. But it, it was nice, analogy, it was more analogy sounding than EQ3, put it that way. Um, but around that time, I bought. The only Waves plugins I have ever I have ever had, um, which I, I no longer have. They're long since. I mean, I'm sure they're on my account somewhere, but I haven't installed them for years. But I do have a copy of the SSL bundle, and I got that for the EQ because I was never happy with Avid EQs, and it was you know looking around and I tried those somewhere and liked them, so I remember that, um, and that was my kind of. Yeah, no, no longer such a such a thing. I mean, apart from the fact that I, these days I, I've got plenty of plugins, but also plugins, particularly EQ, I've got no issue anymore. I mean, I just I, I'm not interested in plugging in a hardware EQ um, for anything of the most critical use and the kind of thing that, frankly, I don't really do. And even then, you know, I mean, if you if you if you want a mastering EQ, you know, there, there is nothing wrong at all with I don't know the 
you're a massive passive. You know, it's like, yeah, spot on. So that's where I was then. What was also interesting was I was teaching in those days, and I was trying to think back to what the uh, what the the studio that I was teaching in was based around, and I had just specced and got. We changed over from a Soundcraft Ghost with a uh, like a TDM uh, an HD two system. Which was a very respectable board. It was Basically, very good yes, teaching board because it was because it was very logically laid out, nice and visual, and you could you know do all of that stuff. The issue we had was that people didn't, and people didn't engage with it mostly because of uh, because of short sessions and quick rotation and the lack of recall. So if you set a load of stuff up in a short studio session, you haven't got the place the whole day, then anything you set up is going to be gone unless you bother to write. And no one did. So we went we went the control surface route and we got a D command, which, while arguably not as valuable for, as a learning experience, uh, I totally stand by now for that kind of environment. It was so much better because people got more work done in their short studio sessions, which we couldn't really control timetabling issues and how long they had. And yeah, the, the recall paid for itself many times over. But I was getting to know the D command because I got to know the D command before the D control, which is completely the wrong way to do it. A bigger surface is easier to learn than a smaller surface with more stuff hidden behind, you know, modifiers and yeah. you know long presses and stuff. But yeah, and in those days, I was using still using Line Six Amp Farm on a TDM system. Ooh. How about that? Sounds yeah. good though. <laughs> I I I I loved it. I loved it because it suited that kind of fast turnaround, yes. get in, get out, get the job done kind of tracking. Yeah. And it was perfect for that. Um, yeah, that's mine. I had quite a lot to say about that, but that was two systems anyway. Ten years, eh? Yeah. Mike? Yeah, I, I mean, my room has not changed at all. I mean, I built this room when we moved into this house in 2001. The room itself, with all the furniture, is pretty well as was when I designed and built it back then. Um, what I would say is that actually the furniture is contracted because I had a, a full-length... Um, side bay to my left which uh, went around this time um and i have been contracting uh, into in terms of hardware and there's there is still some hardware in in here but largely <laughs> it's filling holes it's not even turned on i mean again is you know talking about change of workflows um for the radio work that i did documentaries and dramas um I needed a CD player to play CDs in. Uh, I needed a mini disc player because uh, quite a few people were doing interviews on mini discs. Um, I uh, needed a quarter inch machine uh, for archive material. All of those machines are still here in the studio, just in case. But essentially, they live turned off and they're just filling holes um, when was the last time you turned on your quarter inch machine oh actually, do you even know surprisingly uh, not that long ago um i mean certainly within the last 12 months um so uh, because bizarrely it's still sometimes if you want that sort of tape very speed sound yeah yes you've got you know very fine all the rest of it but if you want to actually yeah and, and sort of vary it not just a slow down or or a, or a start up sometimes it's actually just easier to do on a tape machine <laughs> than um than try and get plugins to do it all for you um and then yes occasionally i need to pull stuff off that I've got on archive on quarter-inch tape. Um, but again, I've got I, about... It was a little bit before this, but around this sort of time, uh, I was still pulling in sound effects off CDs, uh, and so I ripped all my CD collections. So again, I've got shelves and shelves of CDs, which, again, are just decoration these days. Uh, I, I'm used... Uh, so I have less and less hardware... In terms of monitoring, uh, 10 years ago, it will have been a pair of uh, BBC Rogers uh, LS35As. Uh, I now have uh, a 5.1 PMC system. Um, so I've got um, uh, the uh, LB1s at the front and MB1s at the back. Um, but again, it's it's relatively old technology, but it was a very cost-effective upgrade. It was a, an offer I was made that I was no way I was turning down. Um in that, other than my interface, 
Um, I've got. I just don't use any other hardware. It's. I mean, I've been in the box for uh, long before it was. It was. Uh, you know, the thing to long do. Long before it was called in the box. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I dumped a console. Uh, well, probably back in ninety seven. Um, it went. Um, I had an old uh, Tweed. Uh, now, anybody working in, in in broadcasting from a while back will remember that brand. Um, uh, but essentially, that all went. Um, and I've really been working in the box, as you say, long before it was uh, even had a name or it was it was called. It just seemed to me, you know, with all the abilities of recall and and so on and so forth. Because obviously, a lot of the time. You know, a client will come back to me and want to do a recut or a repurpose of a documentary that maybe we made five, ten years ago. Um, I had an inquiry not very long ago, which is a project that's over ten years ago. Um, and, yeah, it's on the backup drives, pull it back up. And uh, one of the good things about Pro Tools is its ability to o- open very old session formats Um and so, yeah, you just pull it up and get on with it because so, everything's in the box. I don't have to, oh, I haven't got that piece of hardware anymore. Um, and, oh, I don't remember what the settings were or anything like that. It's all in the box. Yeah, the monitor screens have, have got bigger uh, physically in terms of uh, square inches, if you like. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, essentially looking at this and looking at the studio that I built um Back in 2001, there aren't a huge amount of differences. I think probably the only other difference that that comes to mind is my original studio um, had BBC PPMs, and in fact, it had it had BBC PPMs until about 2014, 2015. Uh, but of course, with the move to loudness, um, bye bye BBC PPMs. Hello, loudness metering. Um, and I won't. I'll stop at that point on that subject. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> so quite yeah, that way. quite a nice point to to make there is that um uh, in the last ten years I've gained a tape machine. I must be one of the few people who have. <laughs> so what have you got? Oh, it's. Uh, I mean, it was just a bit, a bit of fun. I was given it. It was that quarter inch machine. I did. Oh, uh, the did that tape delay. Um, yeah. Tutorial with it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's. Um, it, I'm sure it's not running to spec, but it really doesn't matter for something like that. No, no. I remember yeah, when when we didn't have a huge amount of processing and all the rest of it, and I was doing live recordings. Um, a Studa B sixty seven was my tape delay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, because <laughs> that's what I had to hand in the truck, <laughs> and uh, and uh, the uh, multi track was a an A eighty sixteen track, and uh, we which we bought secondhand, and when we checked its provenance with the Studer importers at the time, FWO Bausch. And again, anybody who's been around a bit, that name will mean something. Uh, the UK importers of uh, Studer. Um, and we found it was Apple Studios' first 16-track. So there was some serious pedigree on that machine. That was in the truck? That was in a truck that I built for uh, yeah, yeah. Piccadilly Radio, commercial okay. radio station. And um, presumably yeah. you, you, you borrowed a forklift to get it in. Oh yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, well, when we 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 had a uh, an AMEC M1000 desk, and basically I drove the truck to the factory, and <laughs> we had it delivered straight into the truck. <laughs> yeah, no, that's nice. <laughs> but yes, uh, that's going back into uh, pre nineteen nine. That where this is all uh, in the eighties. Never mind ten years ago. This is sort of eighty six, eighty seven. Well, it's eighty six when I built that truck. Um. So yes. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm old enough to be able to really spin the reels back yeah. almost literally. <laughs> okay, I think uh, on that um, uh, point... Moment of histor- history. History, yes, very well put. We really ought to move along uh, as time is more than uh, getting away from us. Um, so... Uh, We'll move on to a bit of community feedback, and this is sponsored by our friends at RSP Audio Solutions. The Pro Tools Expert Community Feedback is brought to you with the kind support of RSPE Audio Solutions. Great people and great prices. 
Our friends at RSPE have the best deals ever on Avid hardware. However, the prices are so low, we can't share them with you here. To find out how good these prices are on Avid hardware, you'll need to call RSPE to get all the lowdown on the prices. Use the special link in the podcast notes to get in touch. Okay, first piece of uh, feedback is from David Thomas, uh, and obviously it refers to, I suspect, last week's podcast, uh, because he starts, Hi, Alan, I'm one of the editors for the News Quiz, uh, BBC uh, Radio 4 uh, comedy programme, and I record it occasionally too. He says, I've listened to the pro... Pro Tools Expert podcast since more or less the beginning. Great book, great work, by the way. Uh, just a note to say that I'm not on the current news quiz series, but I'll take your thoughts on board the next time I'm in the editor's chair and will endeavour to keep you driving safely. And then he puts in brackets, subject to management preferences on audio on audience levels. Um, so, uh, yes, that obviously refers back to a conversation that took place in last week's show. Sean Rogers says, I did not know Pro Tools finally made it easier to map, save and load custom MIDI mappings for third-party controllers. You guys are awesome. Well, we know that. Um, I sent a message to Avid on Facebook and wanted to know if you all could confirm my findings of plugin MIDI mappings and having the default mapping load when I load a plugin. It seems I have found a way to use my lovely Mackie C4 and any other control surface in Pro Tools 12. It was right there over my plugin window. I was working to set up my Arturia MIDI Lab control Pro Tools when I noticed the map and learn and default map at the top of the plugin. After spending some time, I realized I could map a plugin and save the map as a default so that when I opened it again, the map would be there. I've asked Avid to do this forever. Was it there all the time and I missed it? Can you please confirm this? If this is true, then surely I'll be investing in an upgrade to 2018 soon. I mean, it certainly obviously relates to plug-in mapping rather than uh, control surface in terms of faders. Um, yeah. Because Avid is is a little bit more uh, circumspect about what control surfaces you can use. Obviously, anything uh, with the Huey protocol should uh, work in some shape or form. Um and uh, I would have thought that the Mackie C4 might fall into that. But if you're talking about being able to control uh, plugins, then there is a little bit more openness, shall we say, in terms of plugin control. Okay, so uh, let's move along. Uh, we probably squeeze a question, maybe two in. So let's move on to our questions from the community. And these are sponsored by Vanguard Audio Labs Microphones. Pro Tools experts' questions from the community are proudly supported by Vanguard Audio Labs microphones. I'm voiceover professional Bill Rogers, and this was recorded with the Vanguard V13. Vanguard Audio Labs are a microphone manufacturer based in California who make high-quality original microphone designs that punch well above their weight and sensible price. You can learn more about the microphones at vanguardaudiolabs.com or by clicking on our test session and review of the rather stunning Vanguard V1S Plus Lolly um, multi-capsule pencil condensers. And if you're going to be at the NAMM show like we are, you can visit them at booth number 16128 in in the nice shiny new North Hall where they're unveiling the new V7. Very excited indeed. Shane Cook's been in touch. Hello, can I audit, so no editing or mixing, a copy of a Pro Tools 12 session with Pro Tools first? I have Pro Tools 10, but I see it doesn't work with El Capitan. Suggestions? Um, essentially, you're pretty restricted with what you can do with Pro Tools first in terms of opening... Uh, conventional Pro Tools sessions, one of which because essentially Pro Tools First uses the Pro Tools project, which is all tied in with the collaboration uh, setup. So um, I think pretty well the answer is no. I mean, that's pretty well why uh, Avid locked Pro Tools First, the free version, down so that you can't even, you know, you couldn't 
essentially the limitation is is not being able to open a Pro Tools 12 session with Pro Tools First because it, it's effectively using a different format. Now, if you had a Pro Tools 12 session and you create turned it into a Pro Tools project, and then you spent some money on a, a on a sort of upgrade of Pro Tools First, then it becomes possible to do collaboration between Pro Tools First projects and Pro Tools. Uh, projects but it starts to get really really messy so i'm afraid the simple answer really is no so if you if you need to open a pro tools 10 session um sorry if you need to open a pro tools 12 session and you've only got pro tools 10 then make sure that the person creating the pro tools 12 session does a save session copy and does it in a in a format that you can open on pro tools 10 Peter Jackson's been in touch. Hi, guys. Love all you do. Thanks for all the advice. Can I ask if there's an article or video on combining an Apollo 16.8 with a Neve 88.16 uh, and uh, 88.04? I recently bought the Neve, and there's absolutely nothing out on the web to help with setup or anything else. Just a lot of forums with people like me baffled on the best way to set this up with Pro Tools. Uh, I'm trying to run the Neve with Apollo 16, Apollo 8, and uh, 3x48-way Neutric TRS Patch Bays Pro Tools 2018 on a Mac. Uh, any advice? Yes. Lots of plugs and get on with it, I would have thought. <laughs> um, if only it was that simple. The, um, so the 88.16 has 16 channels. Your Apollo 16 has 16 channels. Your Apollo 8 has 8 channels. Well, it's kind of more complicated than that. But in, in an analogue way, that's what you've got. Um, let's take the Apollo 8 out of the equation just for the moment. And all you're going to want to do is route the 16 outputs over two D sub cables to the 16 inputs of the 8816. So thus giving you 16 channels of analog out into 16 channels of analog in on the um, 8816. The 8804 is pretty much just a it's an umbilical cord between the 8816 and the and the 8804 that's the kind of the fader pack the fader control pack um there's also a, a USB cable on there which you use to do some other so, stuff so and, this is the thing that you were you did some of the um uh, the summing mixing test summing yes. mixture shootout yeah yes and it's brilliant it's a really nice sounding box it's neve it's going to sound great <laughs> it does sound great um the Bear in mind, this this is not a device that you're going to use for input. So you're going. I'm assuming you probably have some mic pre's, and if you have those, they're connected up to 16 channel the, the 16 inputs of your Apollo 16. That is not going to change. This is a summing mixer. It is not a mixer like my audience is, for example. It, there's no kind of. It's not a two way flow. It's a an output only flow. If that makes sense. Um, where things are going to get more complicated is with your Apollo 8. Um, but if it's 16, surely essentially just basically assigns the, the Apollo 16 to the Neve 8816. Absolutely. And, and um, leave the Apollo 8 for a, another stuff. Or just giving you more inputs. Yeah. Um, you could, of course, use the Apollo 8 as your line outputs to drive headphone amplifiers. Yeah. Very, very useful um, thing in a live situation. Um and yeah, of course, you'll what... have all the inputs from the Apollo 16 available to do as you wish because yep, you absolutely. say this they're, is and a they're summing probably mixer. Coming, they're probably coming from your bank of existing microphone preamps or line-level preamps or whatever you've got. So um, assuming that you've you're, the project you're working on is more than 16 tracks, mm -hmm. um, how do you suggest that uh, you get, let's say, 48 tracks for sake, just a, pulling a random number out of the, of the hat. You've got a project with 48 tracks. Obviously, you've only got 16 channels of summing mixer, Neve loveliness. And what sort of uh, principles does one apply to to effectively sub, sub stuff down to, so you end up with 16 tracks with the stems, If I presume? Yeah, okay. Um, it is stem mixing, effectively, that's exactly what you're doing. You're bang on the money, Mike. Um, I actually use a fairly similar principle on my analog console. My drums come up separate because to me that's what matters. Uh, and then everything else, guitars, keyboards, vocals, backing vocals, are all then come back in stereo pairs. Now, you could do that 
across an entire mix using the um, ATX-16. So you can have a pair of drums, a pair of keyboards, a pair of... Um, someone let me know when we run out of tracks. A pair of BVs, a pair of brass, a pair of strings, a pair of lead vocals, and stem everything that way. It, it's a totally legitimate way of working. If you find that it's you know you don't have enough, maybe you want one stem for kick drum, one stem for bass, and then you can actually use the the fader control of the eight eight oh four fader pack to actually mix in a kind of a console style, but using the goodies, the processing of the 8816. There's no real rules. The only rule is that for every, you've only got 16 inputs. What I would then do is, and here's where your um, Apollo 8 might come in handy. Um, You could use two of the line inputs on the Apollo 8 as the uh, link those to the outputs, the stereo outputs of the 8816. Yeah, so bring that, that way back you, into Pro Tools. Absolutely. And you get your nice sort of nice sounding Neve summed mix through the Sony Mixer back into Pro Tools. Um, if you were feeling Larry, you could possibly put an alternative A to D on there if you wanted to and use the digital inputs. If you wanted to think, you know, if you wanted to upgrade the um, A to D converters or but it's not necessary. It's it's another step you could take. But the A to Ds and the and the processing in built into the Apollos is pretty damn fine, as some articles I've got coming up will testify to. <laughs> so so yeah, I, I th- hope that helps. If it doesn't, get back to me directly, yeah. Peter, and I'll help you as best I can. But um, if you um, the pause button on this part of the podcast might be your friend. <laughs> Okay, uh, I think we will uh, move along. The Pro Tools Expert Podcast is created using Source Connect Now from Source Elements. Register now for your free account at now.source-elements.com. If you've ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, you'll know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be. And even on a good day, it isn't really good enough for a long-form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN-equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser, no software to install. To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast notes. Can I do it? Please, can I? Yeah, because... Yeah, go on then. Can I? Please, thank you. It's time for Find of the Week. And if you listen closely, I think the reverb tale from the last time you did that is still going. <laughs> <laughs> I always think of pigs in space when I do that. Hi. <laughs> okay, uh, James, uh, what's your f- find of the week? Well, um, actually, you've probably spilled the beans already, haven't you? Oh. Uh, yeah, no. yeah, I think we we have. I mean, certainly, we've put the announcement out about it. Um, our friends at Warm Audio have just released the new WA two fifty one valve condenser microphone. Um, it it looked pretty cool on the press release, so we put some pictures out, and I said to the lovely folks at Warm Audio, "Can I have one, please?" And um, here's the the big reveal. You've been listening to me on it all evening. Um, it was one of those microphones where. I plugged it in and switched it on and set it all up and I went, "Ooh, that's nice." <laughs> what's it? What's it alluding to for those of us that are uh, the that- legend that is the Telefunken Two Fifty One? It's pretty much if you can find an original in good condition, you're not going to get much change from five figures. Wow, it's an expensive beast. Um, so, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the way I understand the story with this stuff. Telefunken were the importers for for Neumann, hence Telefunken U47s and da-da-da. They were yep. rebadged for the American market. But something yep. happened along the way, and they started carrying AKG instead. And a 251 is a C12 by another name. Is that right? I believe so. And this is why they're so they're very revered in the states, and we haven't really heard of them over here, is because they weren't called two fifty ones over here. 
the 251... Well, that would explain why the number meant absolutely nothing yeah, it's, to it's me. it's a C12, yeah. but the old long-body C12. Oh, know? yes. No, no. Yeah. And C12, that means a lot. <laughs> it is It is yummy. I mean, um, for all the microphone modelling software I've been playing with recently, I always, for my voice and for my vocals, seem to kind of hone back to that kind of C12 model because it just seems to work nicely for my voice and my ears seem to appreciate it. This has got all of the the C12 loveliness without the punishing price tag. Um, a, a good 251, if you can find one, say, is, you know, you're looking at five figures. And of course, then it's a vintage microphone and all the hang-ups of a vintage microphone that come with it. This is great. I mean, it's a really beautiful sounding mic. Uh, it looks fantastic. And it's it's mo- it uses modern components and modern... Uh, manufacturing processes and won't have all the hang-ups of a vintage mic so review to follow as always mm. um it may have to wait till we get from nam because <laughs> yes, i suspect so yeah but um no it's a thing of beauty and definitely one you should check out mm. julian what's your finder this week so mine was uh i i visited a friend at the weekend and um he showed me very excitedly showed me a, a small black cardboard box uh, and in there he had some KZ AS10s, which are IEMs. Um, I've never heard of KZ before, um, but um, they're, I don't even know where they're from. But the point about these is these are very rated. These were recommended to him by like a proper, proper pro um, MD who works for a massive band. I won't drop him in because then people know exactly who it is. And, uh, but um, uh, And he's got some top flight... Um, uh, ultimate ears, so he he knows IEMs, and mm. uh, he he's going. These are spot on. Nothing wrong with them at all. Um, they're basically. I mean, five armatures um, for wow. fifty quid. What wow. fifty quid? Yeah. So the um yeah basically I didn't try them. That's always the thing about IEMs. Is like, oh, can I try them? If even yeah. you can get them in, it's kind of like, oh, you know, yeah. So uh, a bit icky. But um, but I had a look at them and they they look okay. I mean, they don't look they don't look like a premium set of IEMs. But the point is, they're fifty quid and they mm. sound not like fifty quid at all. So you know, and the, the build quality look fine. You know, so um, yeah, there we go. So I I, I might try some. Mike, how about you? Okay, well, I'm going to go completely off the audio tech piece um, and talk about a printer. Well, actually, what they call a multifunction printer, because one of the things that we've just invested in is a brand new uh, inkjet printer come scanner come fax machine. Uh, Yes, (laughs) ancient technology. Um, But uh, the big thing about this, this is the Epsom uh, Workforce 5710, is it's an A3 and A4 printer, and it's something we've been looking at getting for a very, very long time. Uh, And as our uh, previous printer was starting to show its age uh, and cartridges were getting more expensive because it was an older printer, um, we looked around uh, because if you're using music or anything like that uh, and uh, we have an appropriate license which enables us to photocopy music or certain uh, publishers' music, to be able to photocopy direct onto an A3 sheet uh, makes uh, page turning and just reading larger manuscripts so much easier. Uh, and of course, just producing posters and all the rest of it uh, will be so much easier being able to uh, do a borderless printing all the way out onto an A3 piece of paper. So uh, yeah, totally boring in terms of audio tech, but unfortunately we still tend to need sort of scanners and printers and to get stuff out in and out of the old-fashioned analog paper world okay and on that uh, revelation uh, it's good night from me <laughs> it's good night from me and it's good night from me good night <laughs>